Hi, my name is Pete Redden, and welcome to The Way I Taught It. Next level aviation knowledge in microbursts. Welcome to another edition of The Way I Taught It, brought to you by our new sponsor, Flight School Association of North America. Founded in 2009, the Flight School Association of North America, also known as FASANA, is a dynamic trade association that serves flight training providers and the entire aerospace industry, creating meaningful programs and works to increase the pilot population. You can find them on Facebook or at www.fsana.com. That's www.fsana.com. On with today's lesson, the oxygen system. So you're on a flight from Memphis to Indianapolis. You're a brand new commercial pilot. You jump into your company's unpressurized twin engine aircraft. The pre-flight is done. Engines are started and clearance is received. Off you go into the wild blue yonder, climbing to 15,000 feet. At 12.5, you start donning the oxygen masks and turning on the system. By 14,000 feet, you've briefed the passengers once again on the use of oxygen. And by 15,000 feet, everybody has masks donned. You notice around 15,000 feet, after a few minutes of flight, that a passenger begins to display the first signs of hypoxia. You think to yourself, I pre-flighted the system. I asked for it to be serviced. Why is it not working? What do you do? Well, every commercial pilot is required to be trained on the oxygen system, the basic system, not necessarily one that you may or may not find in your airplane. As a commercial pilot, you may be exposed to oxygen systems in your first of many career-long opportunities you have for employment. So we must understand the oxygen system. For today, we are going to review the FAA source document O. K-09-439, Oxygen Equipment Use in General Aviation Operations. This booklet is great, and it covers a significant part of what is needed to be known on the Commercial Pilot Practical Exam for this topic. We will need to fill in a few gaps as it doesn't discuss all of the hazards or emergency slash failure modes that you could find yourself with in the oxygen system. First, the booklet talks about general precautions. It talks about on your pre-flight inspection to make sure your equipment is clean and free of any oil-based products. Oxygen, pure oxygen, combined with any kind of petroleum-based product has the potential to burn or catch fire. It's a chemical reaction that could happen. So what we have to do is make sure that oil is removed if there is any oil removed and properly cleaned and also ensure that if it can't be cleaned that we have to re remove that part of the equipment and replace it with a new part. Also, people who wear makeup for any reason if you're going to be on oxygen and you know it's pure oxygen, 100% oxygen, you must make sure that that makeup is removed from that passenger's face where that oxygen is going to be. Now, if it is a diluted oxygen, it is not, or inert oxygen, it is not as a, much of a concern. But if it's pure oxygen or close to pure oxygen, you have to know 100% oxygen to get rid of all the petroleum products. Protect your oxygen masks that you're going to use in general aviation from direct sunlight. Basically, what happens is the sunlight will heat up that oxygen mask, it'll warp it, it'll soften it, and then you won't get that proper seal to get the oxygen that you need for your flight. Make sure you inspect your containers. Make sure they're securely fastened wherever you put them. 
Remember, turbulence uh, can get those oxygen containers bouncing around. They are heavy. If you put them in the wrong place, they might get kicked, they might get bumped. Hoses may become disconnected from the regulators, and we're gonna talk about that. Don't smoke around oxygen. It can be very flammable. Again, no sources of ignition. Make sure that you have all the proper components for the entire oxygen system, which we're gonna talk about. The basic oxygen system is the cylinder, the regulator, the hoses that go to the masks or the cannulas, and then you have the masks or cannulas that you put on your uh, face. Make sure all of those are approved to work together. Don't mix and match unless you know that the system is approved to work together. Don't just swap out components haphazardly. Okay, so many different storage systems, there can be gas, liquid, or even solid oxygen systems. We're gonna talk about the gas systems for now because that's what you're most likely going to run into in general aviation. First of all, the storage system. The storage system is a pressure vessel. You're going to have a tank that is normally green in color and it's gonna be pressurized somewhere between 1800 and 2200 PSI. You're also going to have a chart that on one side, normally the PSI is on the left for that chart and you're going to have along the bottom the number of hours for the specific number of crew available or specific number of people using that system and then you're going to have on that chart uh, starting in the bottom left corner going to the upper right corner uh, some lines going out that basically represent the different altitudes you're going to be operating at and how long that oxygen bottle is going to last it's a pretty simple straightforward graph to use like any other graph you would use to determine take off landing performance or weight and balance. So you just have to kind of look at it and make sure, okay, do I have enough pressure in my oxygen cylinder for the duration of flight that I'm gonna be? Or at least the duration of the flight you're gonna be above 12,500 longer than 30 minutes. Now inside that pressure vessel that is green, that oxygen cylinder, you have to have something that's called aviators breathing oxygen. A-B-O, aviation breathing oxygen. And the reason why this is important, and we're gonna go back to our scenario here in a, a little bit, aviation breathing oxygen has zero water in it. It has zero water content or close to zero water content. And the reason why that is important and the reason why we can't use medical grade oxygen or scuba oxygen is because if you have that water content in there, once you begin to release that pressure, it's going to go through the regulator. Well, the regulator is basically a venturi system where air is going to be constricted. It's going to flow faster, which we know pressure and temperature are going to drop. And when the temperature drops, if there's water in that, in that oxygen, that water is going to come out of a vaporized state. It's going to become liquid. And if you're high enough and in the right time of the year, cold enough, that's going to freeze in your regulator and it's gonna prevent the flow of oxygen. So that's why we need aviation breathing oxygen. Yep, there's liquid oxygen and there's some solid state oxygen systems which we're not gonna talk about today. We're gonna to just stay on that gaseous oxygen system. Now we have oxygen delivery systems. We have a few different types. We have continuous flow, diluter demand, and pressure demand, all of which I have used in the past. Continuous flow is basically what you are gonna encounter most often with general aviation and below 28,000 foot of altitude. That's your basic oxygen mask with the band that wraps around your head. 
or the cannula uh, feeding oxygen through your nose. So this is the, the basic delivery system. You're gonna have a knob, it might be on off, it may be off, low, high, depending on the flow you want. And it should, have, it should have some kind of indication that flow is occurring beside just the hissing noise of the uh, system. And remember, it's continuous flow. It's just gonna flow oxygen out until that uh, tank is empty. Then we have um, diluter demand. And this one is basically uh, the same as continuous flow, except there's a valve, normally called a, a shuttle valve, that every time you breathe in, it, the shuttle valve will open and let oxygen out. Every time you breathe out, your pressure of breathing out will close that shuttle valve, shutting off the, the, the flow of oxygen, and it'll basically make your oxygen in your tank last longer. And then you have pressure demand. Pressure demand is basically a system by which once you get to a certain altitude, around 40,000 feet, if for some reason you have a rapid decompression or a decompression of the cabin of your pressurization system, that system is going to kick into what I would call high gear. And you're actually going, it's actually going to push oxygen into your lungs without even you having to breathe in. It's basically going to inflate your lungs like balloons. And then you're going to have to struggle and work really hard to exhale that breath against that pressure demand system because it is forcing as much oxygen into your system as possible. And it's almost like opposite breathing. You relax, let your lungs fill, and then you constrict your lungs or you, 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 know, you, you constrict your diaphragm to push that air out against that, that pressure that's pushing in. Um, it's a pretty amazing system. I've used it many times in the military and it works real well. Now, we have to have tubes that go, so we have the oxygen cylinder, the regulator, and now we have tubes that we have to run to our oxygen masks. And those tubes need to be kink-free, they have to be clean, uh, no debris in them, no water in them, to make sure that that flow gets to the individual. So make sure you check those, those tubes to make sure that they're good. Then we have the different types of masks. We've talked about nasal cannulas. And basically, they're used below 18,000 feet. They kind of hook to the inside of your, of your nose, and they just kind of pinch there uh, like those, uh, those pink nose plugs you used to use in the days swimming. And so they hold that cannula there and they just provide a continuous flow of oxygen into your nose. So you just close your mouth, take a deep breath through your nose, and you get fresh oxygen. There's also the uh, oral nasal rebreather. So basically that is a mask with a bag, kind of like what you see on airlines in the movies when the oxygen masks fall from the ceiling. And what happens is that oral nasal rebreather, as you're breathing, that continuous flow of oxygen is going to put oxygen into the bag and you're going to exhale out into the bag and it's going to mix your carbon dioxide with the oxygen and you're going to breathe that back in so that you don't end up hyperventilating because you have too much oxygen in your system. There are quick dawn masks which basically allow you to put the oxygen mask on within five seconds of a depressurization event. We're not going to really talk about those because you're not going to see those in general aviation very often. And then you have the airline drop-down masks, the Dixie cup mask, which is basically a, a oral nasal rebreather. So how do you pre-flight your oxygen system? Well, you have to make sure all the components are there. You have to make sure that it is serviced properly. You have to have to make sure that you have enough oxygen for your intended time of flight above 12,500 feet. And then you got to do something called a price check, P-R-I-C-E. You got to check the pressure, the regulator, the indicator, the connections, and then 
um, if you have an emergency setting, make sure that emergency setting works. So let's talk about the pressure. We're gonna look at the gauge and make sure there's enough quantity in there. The regulator, we're gonna make sure we can go from off to on or any other setting in between to make sure that the regulator is allowing oxygen to flow. You should have a flow indicator that should go from uh, a red to green or a white to green, but it should be green when oxygen is flowing. Make sure all your connections are correct. And then again, check that emergency setting. When you, when you turn it to emergency, you should feel an increased or more rapid flow of oxygen to your mask. Now the FAA, United States Air Force, and the United States Army have some great opportunities for training where you can go to basically an altitude chamber and work on all this stuff. And then I've, I've done this three or four times in my Air Force career. You remove your oxygen mask at simulated altitude and then you try and identify your first symptoms of hypoxia. And then you try and put your oxygen mask on. And then 99 out of 100 times, uh, it works great. And then that 100th time, you see what happens if you don't fully understand how to don your oxygen mask. And then hypoxia takes over and you even forget you have an oxygen mask to dawn and you go down a very bad road. Of course, then somebody helps put your oxygen mask on, you get oxygen back in your system and you kind of wake back up. It's a very scary scenario if it were to happen for real, but in the training environment, it is an incredible learning experience. So let's go back to our scenario. Why all of a sudden did somebody start displaying signs of hypoxia? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Remember, we pre-flighted the system and then we got it serviced. So the question is, did we really get it serviced? We look over at the pressure gauge and maybe it's in the red, maybe it's on zero. Holy mackerel. Yeah, you asked for it to be serviced, but you didn't ensure that it was in service. Maybe they serviced it with the wrong oxygen. Did you see them come out with aviation breathing oxygen, ABO, and service your oxygen bottle? Or did they just come out with some other colored bottle hook it up, pressurize it, and now you get a bunch of water in your system and it's starting to freeze up and it's starting to block the flow of oxygen and now you're starting to get symptoms of hypoxia. You know, maybe you just forgot, period, to check the system and the hoses and all of a sudden, you know, you got that bit of debris in there and maybe that one individual is hypoxic but nobody else is at risk. So you have to really work through this and understand what's going on. In the worst case scenario, you're gonna to have to declare your emergency, start your descent, and get below 12,500 feet in a rapid manner, so emergency descent. And I would encourage you to continue down to about 8,000 feet because that's where you get kind of the best bang for your buck. You're, you're gonna get the best atmospheric pressure uh, for the amount of oxygen available in the atmosphere, and it's gonna help you guys recover quicker from that hypoxia. Again, I'm Pete Redden, and that's another episode of The Way I Taught It. Thanks for finding this podcast worthy of inclusion in your study of aviation. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If not, please leave feedback on Apple Podcast on how to improve this podcast and associated less than five-star review. Until next time, fly safe, fly smart, and that's The Way I Taught It. Episode references, Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge, Chapter 7, Pages 34 through 39, Advisory Circular 25-20, Federal Aviation Regulation 91.211, 
FAA booklet, OK09439 and personal experience.